So understanding people, motivation, the, the organizational structures, everything is giving me this uh, base to be a successful program manager. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Loomi Tech and sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Turing, Upwest Labs, and Hillel at Stanford. This one is all about community. Meet Margaret Kesselman, co-founder and CEO of Every Venture and program manager at Applied Materials. Margaret is a program manager and entrepreneur with over 15 years of project management, sales, marketing, and consulting experience. She led program development initiatives and delivered multiple large-scale programs transforming businesses and operations and founded a VR device startup. She holds a master's in sociology, helping to understand people's and organizations' needs. Margaret is leading a large Russian-speaking women in tech community where she is championing their growth and success. Margaret L. Kesselman, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm great. Uh, thank you for inviting me, Michael. How are you? Thank you for coming so late your time. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. I think one of the great and not great things about you know, COVID is that both I get to talk to really amazing people, but uh, you know we, uh, it's a weird time zones and I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Margaret, I'd love to talk about your journey all the way from Berlin University. You consider yourself an anthropologist to working in the VR space, uh, being leading uh, Russian-speaking communities uh, wherever you are, really, and now also in applied materials. So take me back all the way to Barlan University, and why do you consider yourself an anthropologist? Of course, and I'll take you even one step, uh, one step uh, before Barlan University. I immigrated to Israel when I was 11 uh, from the Soviet Union. Uh, so Israel was my first big move, and after it, we moved another five times with my family. Um, I, I decided to study sociology and anthropology um, as a basis of all the social uh, social studies. I actually wanted to be a criminologist and then I changed my mind. Really? And I'm pretty happy that I did. <laughs> really. I'm attracted to, uh, to either side of the law. Well, I prefer to stay on the right side of the law, obviously, but um, yeah, it always was um, like this dream of being able to investigate and uh, find out uh, clues and, uh, and and answers to everything. And um, I guess the profession that I choose for myself eventually is related to it. Right? I'm a program manager and I always need to, well, also to plan, but also go back and look what happened, how did we get there, and uh, I enjoy it uh, every, every inch. Uh, every so tell me a little bit work. about anthropology as a study or sociology as a study and how that is relevant to the role of a program manager? Of course. So sociology specifically is a study about uh, about people, about society. Uh, also part of it is to study about the organizations, different type of organizations. In our case, is the business organizations. Uh, understanding people's motivation, um, some of the sociology also contain or tied to psychology, right? So understanding people's motivation, the, the organizational structures, everything is giving me this uh, base to be a successful program manager. As an anthropologist, what I, what I like to do is first to observe. 
and then to interact, right? To, to be the part of this tribe or this uh, team or this organizational structure. And uh, that's how this anthropology is also tying up into my day-to-day work. Well, I love that. You know, I, I have a great window here uh, in Tel Aviv where I can watch what people are doing. And I call that people watching. I, I, I'd consider myself an anthropologist at this point. Uh, definitely not, not at the, uh, concerning myself with the same questions that you're concerning yourself, but, but I can definitely see where the interest about uh, society and about the behavior of people stems from. Now, a little bit more about your, your move your immigration from uh, the Soviet Union to Israel. You get assimilated into the environment. You continue moving. Can you share with me a little bit about that history? Because I think that is something pretty unique that the, not a lot of my friends perhaps know about, but, but it is a, part, a, a very big part of who we are in Israel. Sure. Uh, I moved with my parents to Israel when I was 11. And um, we, we situated in Batyam. And a year into staying there with my parents, I decided that I want something different. And I wanted to go to boarding school. Don't ask me why. I don't remember the exact reasons. I guess because of this passion to, to study criminology when I grew up, ride the horse or be in the police force. Wow. So I started to look for a program and it was accepted. I was accepted to um, Kibbutz Berry. Uh, where I stayed for five years and graduated uh, uh, high school. Wow, that is so cool! I learned how to drive a tractor? Many interesting things. Wait, I have to. I have to hear uh, more. So you're in Kibbutz Berit. You learned to drive a tractor. What? What? what tractor? My parents are far away. Yes, in in Batyam. So it's it's a different program. It's not Nale. It's it's called Ariyatanor. Um. So we. We used to, uh, we had a school in the kibbutz. Last two years, they uh, forced, uh, forced us to go into uh, regional school. But it was really fun because uh, we had a lot of freedom for ourselves. And also we needed to work part of our week. It started from two hours a week and then it was one day a week. So we only studied for four days instead of five. It also was part of the perk or, well, Maybe today I look at it differently, but then it was really a cool thing to do. I'm and sure. uh, yes, so I grew up in, a, I, mean, I consider myself as a kibbutznik in a way. That, that is so, so cool. I love that. And you, you know, so this, you know, the, the Russian part of you is something that, that you took with you along the way, right? It, both with Barilan University, you worked as a Russian sector coordinator in the Department of Representatives. Uh, you're also right. leading... Russian-speaking communities and empowering um, Russian speakers also wherever you are. So tell me a little bit about these communities that you're leading and, and why do you still go back to those, to, to those same roots and wh- why spend that quality time on that? Of course, to the same roots. Okay, so um, I consider myself as a Russian-Israeli-American right now. And um, also I freely speak Hebrew. I, I grew up there and lived there for 20 years. And I speak some English. Uh, Russian is my mother tongue, and uh, I read. Uh, I read a lot, and uh, well, now I think I read more in English than in Russian. But still, is is my dominant language probably in uh, in relating to some aspects of culture. Uh, when I went to Berlin University, 
well, I had Israeli and I had Russian friends. And somehow uh, some of my Russian friends uh, convinced me to join there in uh, the student association. And uh, the roles that we could get there were related to Russian sector because we were in that fraction representing the Russian community. So it happened by itself. I also was my department representative, and it wasn't a Russian department. I, um, as a minor, I studied history, so I represented the history department. So it's not only about Russians. Um, here in the U.S., uh, again, uh, somehow most of my friends are, I do have an American and a ABC, American Chinese friends as well, but the majority is uh, people uh, like me, those are Russian-speaking Israelis. Um, very, very cool. And uh, one of my closest friends, uh, she organized uh, a group uh, to, to help women to grow. And uh, I quickly joined it. And uh, right now I'm um, leading it and uh, dealing with all the operations, uh, hosting the events. And the idea was to see if there is a real glass roof or foreign women speaking one or two other languages uh, just starting their career from scratch in this country can achieve uh, uh, high high roles and uh, become a ceo become very successful entrepreneurs and what is that and we decided to see like? is it more of the is the mentorship more peer-to-peer? -peer? Is it more informative through sessions? How do you actually go and make, make an impact on, on people and, and helping them on their journey? Uh, we, okay, we have over 3,000 members on our uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook page. So in the community, we have like uh, many members, so we cannot mentor all of them one-on-one. -on -one. However, we do have different programs there. Uh, we did hold several mentorship sessions. We do have workshops once in a while, and those can be different type of workshops. Some of them related to resume and interview. Some of them were specific for, for a field, like a QA workshop uh, or a digital marketing workshop. And uh, in other times, so we have fireside chats, so we just, <clears throat> sorry, we have panel interviews with uh, successful people uh, from a community. Uh, not only Russian speakers, but uh, in many cases, they are Russian speakers just because we want to show and to prove to, to all the women in our communities that uh, the sky is the limit. And right. uh, we also have a LinkedIn group where the members can ask for referrals. They can uh, post their questions and many uh, other girls would answer it and try to promote each other, to cheer each other. I love that. And, and, so, to, uh, and to show useful uh, resources. Amazing. And Margaret, so along with, you know, leading this, these communities and, and working as a program manager, you're also deeply involved with virtual reality and phone interaction. And finally, you've been working on this for, for something over three years. Uh, tell me a little bit about your, your perception behind, you know, virtual reality and phone integration and, and how you actually started working on this product as a program manager and as a community leader. Okay. So I didn't realize first that this was already three years since I'm doing that. <laughs> so I, I um, founded the startup with one of my previous coworkers. We used to work together 10 years ago in Zoran. And, um, <clears throat> 
So the phone applications and uh, and the virtual reality hardware that we're doing are not not connected. So it's two different uh, two different products. Um, for the for the phone application, it's uh, there are two gesture apps. Uh, one of them has a US patent. Uh, the other one is in, in the process. Uh, and then for for the VR, what we what we are developing is a VR headband that is uh, elevating and helping with uh, motion sickness in VR in VR games. And um, I want to take it beyond VR. I also want to use it in the automotive industry uh, to treat the passenger syndrome, especially in self driving cars. Uh, how did I get there? Um, the idea was of my uh, technical partner. And for me, it was just uh, another exciting opportunity that I couldn't pass by. Uh, so we did, we created a startup. We um, we showed our product in a couple of conferences. Uh, I did a pilot on uh, about 100 people. And uh, it's proven to be uh, working and elevating those, uh, those motion sickness sim- symptoms. So we decided to take it to the next step. Uh, we uh, cooperated with, uh, we have a third partner right now. He's in Austin. And, uh, right. How do you actually also, get to uh, create, you know, VR against motion sickness? Your journey, you know, if I would look back on your journey, if I had, and I had to guess what type of thing you would be working on, it wouldn't be VR and motion sickness. It doesn't seem too much aligned with, with the rest of your journey. And I love understanding these nonlinear career pathways. So, so tell me a little bit about your journey with, uh, with, with this company and how, you know, I, that perhaps complements the other things that you're doing. Okay. Um, maybe I'll start with how it complements what I'm doing. Um, I'm, well, I don't want to say restless, but I'm a very energetic personal, uh, person. And I like to try, uh, to try different things. I do have a day job. Now it's in applied materials, but before I was in a different sector. I was working for NVIDIA, it's a genetic sequencing company. Uh, but I live in the Silicon Valley. And except for volunteering and leading a group of women, uh, I also needed to try that and have my own startup. And I used to wear many hats in my previous roles. So startup was just uh, another way of expressing myself. And while my, my partner is the technical uh, genius and uh, working on the product itself, also he let me sometimes to, to put my hands on it. But uh, I, I took all the other roles and uh, I was driving uh, the marketing. I was, uh, I was growing our network, putting us into the, onto the conferences, um, doing the market estimation, budget, uh, hiring um, uh, several uh, several contractors in uh, we have a few now in Russia to help uh, to help us to grow. So uh, for me, it was just learning about other roles. And so now, more about the program manager's role within Applied Materials. Like you mentioned, you had a bunch of different hats on on the different companies. Today, you're working with Applied Materials, and I've always been fascinated by the program managers position. I don't believe that I had many on the show with, with this position. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your responsibilities. We, we started the show talking about how it relates back to anthropology and sociology and studies of people's needs. 
So, so I know that much so far, but, but what really is the, your responsibility as a program manager and what kinds of questions do you concern yourself with on a day-to-day basis in a fantastic company like Applied Materials? Okay. So the project or program manager job uh, from, com- from company to company, it can differ. Uh, in my current role, um, what my team is doing uh, is transitioning uh, products uh, to low-cost region. So you need to have a specification. You need to talk to a supplier. My team specifically is doing also supplier development. So I have a supplier I am responsible for, and uh, I need to have I need to receive a package of uh, documents or and maybe also a sample from one side of the globe and recreate the same in another side of the globe. Uh, how sociology or anthropology ties into it? Well, uh, we work across regions, so we need to deal with different cultures. Uh, my suppliers in China and the culture in China is not uh, nothing like um, Israel or, or U.S. Uh, previously, I also had uh, uh, supplier in, in Korea. All those cultures are different. Um, their behavior, uh, their processes. Um, so here is my anthropological, maybe sociology background coming in and make me to sit there, to learn, to, to talk to people that are locally in those regions to understand how they operate and then try to either either change their mindsets or at least to adjust our processes to that to those mindsets um, what my role uh, or my job entails is to uh, to create a perfect it's never perfect but as much as possible uh, project plan and stick to it uh, we are we are many times limited uh, limited in time by, by when we need to um, take something from one point and bring it to, to finish in another point. We are not, we, we are actually uh, tied in a budget. However, we don't um, really, uh, we don't track the EVP. So what, what is usually the, the single uh, biggest challenge that you would face as a program manager uh, you know, when I when I think of of different positions, I, I always try to think, okay, what what is the biggest you know hurdle that you might have to overcome? So, what would it be for a program manager? So, as a program manager, you are responsible for many for many things. You are responsible for some of the um, for cooperation of the team members, right, and for the deliverables. But you're not necessarily managing those people they're not just they're not always reporting to you so you need to convince them many times and the hardest thing is um if you do have some authority but it's not necessarily the the one that everyone will just salute you and do exactly what you need and when you need it uh and i think it's uh, one of the biggest challenges is to make sure to understand a if the people will do what they do and when you need it and uh, with a decent quality. Uh, working in uh, inside of the comp with uh, people inside the company, maybe in different organizations, it may be challenging, but but is achievable. Working with suppliers, 
a slightly different story, right? Because you don't really control them. So uh, being making people to do what you need uh, without fully controlling them, I would say that is uh, one of the biggest challenges. That that makes a lot of sense. And Margaret, what, what do you enjoy most about what you're doing? So if you if you had to think about what what really gets you going, and you're saying you're relentless, you're saying you're so energetic, and you're so passionate about whatever you're doing, what 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 really gets you excited? What is sort of this this greatest common factor amongst all these things? I can uh, okay, few things. A, I don't like routine. So for me, uh, working on different projects is fun. I every time there is an opportunity to learn something new. So this is one of the main reasons I choose this profession. And the other thing is maybe it's somehow related to it. Um, and maybe it's not a good thing to say as a program manager, but I do like to put off fires. And uh, it's it's every day it's a new charade. Every day you tackle a new problem. And finding a solution to it, it, it makes you feel alive and to make you feel contributing. Also, as a good program manager, I must say that you need to plan the project in a way that the fires will never happen. But I think it's idealistic. So I never worked on a project when everything was great. That makes a lot of sense. Margaret, thank you uh, for coming and sharing with me your journey. Uh, we, you know, we were both at, at J Ventures and I'm very thankful that for that community that for helping people like you and me and uh, meet. So uh, thank you very much for spending your time here. Uh, before we leave, I have to ask you the most important question, which is three words that you would use to describe yourself. Uh, learn, dare, and explore. I love that. Margaret, thank you very, very much. Uh, thank you again for, for joining me so late in California. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for making a positive impact around you, wherever you are. And I love I love the integration between your roots and what you're doing today and your perception of routine and relentlessness and putting out fires and getting excited by putting on these different hats and getting excited by the unknown and this exploration. Uh, so thank you very, very much and uh, stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you for hosting, Michael, and uh, have a good day in Israel. 